Well, there are clearly still concerns about China's lockdowns. Apple's share price not doing at all well today, for example, and the US dollar riding higher. But oil has been on a bit of a journey today as well, in part because there were questions about whether OPEC would up production next month, having only just cut back on production, of course. But would they do that when prices are falling? A reality check seems to have paired back those losses. And locally, Philip Lowe talking tonight. What's he got to say for himself? It's Tuesday, the 22nd of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And it is a very important day today, the 22nd of November, because today NAB Trade is going to donate the proceeds of the day's trading revenue to the First Nations Foundation to support the financial literacy of Indigenous communities. So if you make a trade today via NAB Trade, or you can make a direct donation, when you do do that, uh, you will be supporting financial literacy. You can find out more at nabtrade.com.au forward slash charity day. Mind you, sadly, equities just about anywhere in the world, not having a great time of it Today in the United States, uh, overnight we saw a 1.1% fall in the Nasdaq. The S&P 500 closed down 0.4%. The Dow dipping just into the red, whilst in Europe a 0.4% drop in the DAX and the Eurostox 50. And the FTSE 100 closing down 0.1% as well. Bond yields are falling. 10-year Treasuries flat, though, at 3.83%. UK 10-year gilts are down 5. German bunds down 2. Uh, Australian 10-year yields were down 2 basis points yesterday as well at 3.58%, but up a couple of basis points uh, since then on futures, so sort of cancelling it out overnight. Uh, A rising US dollar, again, it's up 0.8% on the DXY, it's up 1.2% on the Japanese yen, 0.6% up on the Canadian dollar, whilst the pound has fallen 0.6% today. The euro is down 0.8%, the Aussie dollar down a little over 1%, just over 66 US cents now. And further falls in oil, WTI, well, it did get below $79, it's back up to almost 80 now with a 0.4% fall and we've got a 0.4% fall as well in Brent which is now around 87.30 a barrel but it was close to a dollar lower than earlier for reasons that we will get into uh, fairly shortly. Uh, Ray Attrell joins me from uh, this morning from NAB in Sydney. So some of the uh, the downturn we are seeing I guess in equities is uh, you know what we were talking about yesterday but it just continues this fear of lockdowns in China uh, and, you know, the, the fact that that was hitting the equity markets and, uh, you know, it looks like it's it's doing it even more today. Is that what's the, the, the prime cause of all of this, do you think? Yeah, good morning, Phil. I think so. I mean, it's been a, you know, markets have been pretty quiet, but that's been the, certainly been the, the headline news um, the greeting markets on Monday. Mm. And there's been really sort of no let up overnight. So I, I do think that... Yeah. Um, where we're seeing markets is just a little bit of a continuation of what we saw Monday, and it really is relating to you know the you know the latest um, COVID infection news out of China. I've just uh, latest numbers I've got is that we were what about 20, over twenty thousand uh, was the Sunday number. I haven't seen the Monday number. Um, and if you just look at the you know look at the um, the ascent, if you like, or the speed of of the rise, it's very comparable to the April um, infection wave that we saw. It's still below the mm. peak. I think the peak back then, or the reported peak, was around 35,000 
um, cases, and we're running at about 20,000 last I looked. But um, And obviously we had that um, actually three deaths reported over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and, and the shutdown of, uh, again, I think I'll struggle as much as Tapas to pronounce, but um, Xinjiang uh, stay-at-home orders and the Bayun province of uh, Ganjiao are the five-day lockdown. So I think that is still reverberating. And, you know, let's remember that a lot of the rally that we've seen in risk markets um, and the strengthening of the Chinese currency and the appreciation of the Aussie, uh, a lot of that does stem from the announcement the week before last, of course, of the reduction in um, quarantine and stay-at-home rules for for, uh, for, for returning travellers, etc., and contacts of contacts. Um, so I don't think we should lose sight of that because I think it still represents, you know, a, a, a symbolic move, if, if, if no more than that at this stage, but an intent to try and move to a living with COVID state over the course of next year. Yeah. So the fact that we do have this infection wave, I, I don't think, you know, fully offsets the message from that. But for the time being, at least, it does mean that, you know, incremental progress rather than being positive is going to be is going to be negative. But it's certainly shown up in, you know, the, the looking at the uh, the Remnimbi, it's pretty much retraced almost 50% of the of the rally that we saw from what 733 to the US dollar to almost 703 we're now sort of 716 717 and you know in that context um, no real surprise that the Aussie dollar you know is one of the one of the worst performing uh, G10 currencies since the uh, since the start of, of this new week down over 1% yeah and the, you know the clue that we can pin so much of it on China is if you look at the Apple share price which is down more than 2% because of course you know that the, the, we had that news a couple of weeks ago about thousands of workers trying to Escape from the uh, the factory at Foxconn in uh, in Jiangsu uh, because they're worried about being locked down in the factory. The New York Times is reporting over the weekend that they're employing military veterans and Communist Party members to help address the labour shortages. So if your iPhone doesn't work very well when you get it this Christmas, you'll possibly know why. I hear they've also been uh, they've been uh, dragging or persuading uh, local residents. You know they've gone from. Uh, Whatever they're doing, working in agriculture or whatever, but there is a bit of a recruitment campaign for uh, for local residents to right. to come and uh, come and enjoy yourself putting together. So there's a bit of soil on your uh, inside your iPhone. You'll know why as well. So the uh, the the one share that's doing well today is Disney, up six percent because they've announced they're going to bring back their old CEO Bob Iger, who sort of like it was in charge of Disney for what fifteen years or so, and then he left, and now he's coming back again. So there we are. Uh, so uh, on that oil, uh, you'd have thought perhaps part of that as well, because we're seeing that continue to weaken. So some of that could be China. But there's also been a story around the Wall Street Journal saying that Saudi Arabia and other OPEC members were aiming to discuss production increases. There's an OPEC Plus meeting coming up on December the 4th. Uh, maybe half a million extra barrels a day, they're saying. That's a quarter of the drop that they imposed last month. But it sounds like the Saudis have denied this, and so uh, oil has switched direction again since. No, it's it's, it's an important story, and uh, you know we've been discussing here quite why you know oil is is down as low as it was, given that uh, you know I think the you know the fundamental backdrop is one where you know Saudi Arabia um, you know is the swing producer, and that OPEC plus. Uh, are really you know willing to vary production, but with the intent of putting you know a floor of close to ninety dollars, certainly on the Brent crude price, and 
Uh, as you say, we were down at as low as $83 for Brent crude. The story has been denied, but the context of it was that, um, remember that the, <clears throat> the EU sanctions against um, the importation of Russian oil are due to come in on December the 5th. So the suggestion of, and then the Wall Street Journal, of a 500,000 uh, barrel per day increase was purely in the context of what that, uh, the imposition of those, yeah. uh, those sanctions might yeah. do to yeah. supply, etc. So, you know, if that happens, uh, and we see oil, you know, well north of ninety dollars. Then yes, perhaps that becomes, you know, a realistic possibility. But um, unless or until oil is uh, is trading north of ninety dollars, I, I wouldn't uh, put any credence in these reports whatsoever. Well, yeah, and because the other story is related to that. I mean, Bloomberg's reporting that by by Wednesday, G seven and the EU will have agreed on what that price cap, that upper price cap is going to be on Russian oil. So because, of course, they're saying, well, OK, we're going to set a price. And they haven't said what it's going to be yet, uh, at which, uh, you know, you can sell oil if you uh, and if you you can ship oil or insure oil uh, if it's Russian oil, provided it's not worth more than whatever this price cap is. And there's talk that that is going to be determined uh, this week, Bloomberg saying. But so that's going to right. Happen. So uh, yeah. So that again, how that feeds directly into sort of the global or the marginal price of oil. Mm. Um, you know, it's certainly hard to say. But I think the other, I mean, just the other thing to notice that the weakness that we're seeing, uh, the clearly, you know, volatility um, regarding you know China activities are going back to you know the the, the first signs of an attempt to, uh, to to move to a living with COVID state. But you know the impact on the infection rates in China and what that's going to do to. Uh, to demand in the next little while, I think, is the sort of dominant sort of fundamental I- input from the demand side at the moment. And, and while that news, you know, goes from uh, from, you know, bad to worse, if you like, then uh, I think the oil price will, will struggle to uh, to get back clearly above $90. Yeah. And also just uh, just a, a note in passing uh, that that collapse of FTX, the crypto exchange company, that's not going to be helping confidence either because uh, they filed for bankruptcy owing $3 billion to its largest creditors. But there's many very small creditors as well who will probably never see their money again. So that, you know, probably it's through, got rid of the crypto bug uh, for those people in the process as well. Look, there's not a lot of Data around today, uh, New Zealand credit card spending sounds all right. It's up 25% year on year. But then last month, it was up 34% year on year. So that would suggest that spending is definitely slowing. And, uh, you know, we're just a day away now from the RBNZ. So is there still talk of a 75 basis point rate hike? I mean, this could be a sign that things are slowing, couldn't it? Well, certainly. And certainly our BNZ colleagues are convinced that, uh, you know, a, a significant uh, slowdown is, is baked in the cake if it hasn't arrived already. Mm. Markets are still torn between... 50 basis points and 75 basis points tomorrow. And if I look at market pricing this morning, it's about 66 and a half basis points. So that pretty much bisects uh, either of those. So there's a, there's a little bit of uh, uh, fence sitting, if you like, and a few splinters around there. Um, you know, uh, the, the official line from the BNZ is that um, 75 looks more likely than not. And there is something called a, a shadow committee from the, uh, I think the New Zealand NIEL, National Institute of Economic Research, it's really a poll of, uh, of private sector economists that, that advocated 75 that came out yesterday. Um, our view is that they should, shouldn't do more than 50 because, you know, partly for the reasons that you say that, you know, a significant slowdown does look to be in train. But um, we're guaranteed some, uh, some New Zealand market volatility tomorrow morning um, unless they decide to raise rates by 66 and a half basis well, points, that would, um, which I would wager they won't. No, but that would satisfy everyone, wouldn't it, um, if they did? Um, <laughs> what about, uh, let's talk about Europe, 
very quickly because we had producer prices in Germany. A big fall, minus 4.2% month on month when it was expected to grow. The previous month was up 2.3%. So that is quite a change in direction. That is actually quite encouraging, isn't it? This is actually the first month on month fall for two and a half years. So, you know, obviously the question is, has inflation peaked? I'm sure I'm not the only one asking that question. Well, we certainly believe, you know, going back to the CPI numbers in the US the week before last and the subsequent producer price numbers, that inflation has peaked uh, in the United mm. States, which is, you know, why we still you know, think that, you know, the Fed funds rate is probably not going to get above 5% in this, uh, in this cycle. We have some comments from Mary Daly, I'll mention in a sec. But um, no, the PPI, PPI is of some interest, at least there, as you say, a sharp fall. Annual rate, though, still at 34.5%, down from 458 And obviously, the fall in oil prices that we've seen, you know, is going to be feeding into lower headline uh, producer prices over time. But we've had um, Holtzman. But then the, the situation uh, in Germany is, is not going to help, you know, taking it back the other way as well, is it? No, absolutely. But uh, but the, I think the point to say is that uh, where are we? We're 5% on core Eurozone CPI. We're over 10% on headline. And we have just had um, the ECB's Holtzman crossing the wires. Now, admittedly, he's very much at the hawkish end of the uh, of the ECB governing council member spectrum, but is suggesting that um, 75 is his pick for uh, the mid-December meeting unless, you know, if things stay the same, Things staying the same presumably means no evidence of a peak or, or the beginnings of a decline in CPI, at least. So um, whether that PPI number does uh, feed into slightly lower inflation or not, I think is going to be pivotal to whether it's 50 basis points, which is NAB's view for mid-December, or you know whether the intervening news you know could mean that, that another 75 is on the cards. So what was you mentioned, Mary Daly from the Fed? What's she been saying? Well, she's been, um, dare I say, speaking out of both sides of her mouth, as have many Fed officials of late. <laughs> um, so she said, look, we need to be mindful of the lags with which monetary policy is transmitted to the economy. Um, and she said, the interesting comment said, well, the funds rate is three and, a qu- three, and three quarters to four percent. Financial markets are acting like it's around six percent. Um, so, you'd, you know, that seems uh-huh. to suggest that certainly plays to the view that, uh, you know, we're not going to get more than 50 basis points um, when the Fed meets in December. Uh, but then she's gone on to say that there's lots of work to do to restore price stability. So, um, you know, I mean, her view previously had been that the Fed funds rate needs to get to around 5%. And, you know, arguably, you know, all of those comments are still broadly consistent with that. But, um as I say, I think yeah. now, now policy has clearly moved into a restrictive stance and, and a lot of the impact of those rate rises is clearly yet to show up in the real economy, you know, outside of the housing market, at least. Then, um, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a balanced assessment, but um, there's still you know, a fair yeah. bit to play for. And I still think that, um, you know, what CPI does, which is due the day before the next Fed meeting, is going to have enormous implications, you know, um, you know, for Fed, for Fed policy and, and but more importantly, probably for financial markets generally, particularly whether, you know, the US dollar is going to resume um, the weakness for which that uh, last month's print was clearly the catalyst or whether, you know, that the, the uh, sort of incremental dollar recovery that we've seen in the last sort of 36, 48 hours is, is going to uh, is going to continue into year end. Now, the OECD publishes its new economic outlook tonight. Of course, it's been customary for them to revise their forecast downwards, so presumably they'll do the same thing again today. And uh, Philip Lowe is talking. Another one of those dinners that you haven't got invited to, uh, Ray, the uh, the Committee for Economic Development for Australia. He's giving a talk, Price Stability, Supply Side and Prosperity. Presum- and there's a Q&A session after it as well. Presumably one of those questions is going to be, what's it going to be then, Phil, a pause or no pause? At, uh, well, I don't think a pause is on the 
is on the table here. Um, although, yeah, there is, if I look at market pricing, um, you know, there's a very small probability of nothing priced in and zero probability of doing 50. But um, at the moment, I think it'd be, I'd be amazed if we got anything other than 25 basis points at the uh, at the next meeting. But, um, but yeah, what is the title? Price stability, the supply side and prosperity. There is a, a Q&A associated with that. So, um, you know, I think it is uh, for the local markets at least and, and what's a pretty pretty Spartan calendar this week, I think it is going to be the main event. Yeah, and there is a bit of data around. So New Zealand trade data for October, Eurozone current account figures for September and consumer inflation numbers there as well. UK public sector borrowing, Canadian retail sales and new housing prices and the Richmond Fed manufacturing index as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all happening. Uh, but we'll leave it there for all now. Pretty, all, pretty, all pretty second tier, I think. Exactly. So that's, that's, why, that's, that's, why, gonna... that's why we're brushing off it, right? That's why we're going. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you again next time. See you soon. Really, thanks, Phil. Uh, that's it. We're all in a good mood because the World Cup star, I don't know if you're a soccer fan or not, but it is an exciting time, isn't it, when the World Cup's on? And uh, if you haven't watched the England game, it's worth watching. Uh, I'll catch you again tomorrow morning for another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then. <laughs>